mountains are still being moved. Hello, and welcome to Raising the Standard with Pastor Owen Moody of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. You're invited to join us each Monday, Wednesday, and Friday for an anointed full-length message from Pastor Moody. After the message, we'll be back to let you know how you can contact us. On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, The Bitter and the Sweet. His scripture text will be taken from the book of Ezekiel, chapter 26, verse 37. Here now, Pastor Moody. I want to get right to the Word of God today. Uh, I feel like I've got a word from the Lord. Uh, The things that I'm hearing, the preachers I'm listening to, the prophecies I'm hearing, I feel like God is saying something to the church world that I want to try to say today in my way, and I hope it will be a blessing to you. I want to go to a Bible story in the book of Exodus, chapter 15, and I'm going to start in verse number 20. This is right after they've crossed the Red Sea. God has destroyed uh, Pharaoh's army beneath the waters of the Red Sea. They've now entered into a wilderness experience that's going to, in three days, what I'm going to preach about that happens is phenomenal. But uh, I want to just go there and tell you that they had just got free, and all of a sudden the women get stirred up. I tell you, I've been in Pentecost for years, and most of the things that start get started with some women getting stirred up. Hallelujah. And uh, so I praise the Lord for the ladies. Everybody said amen. Let's go to Exodus 15, verse number 20. The Bible said, And Miriam the prophetess, the sister of Aaron, took a timbrel or a tambourine in her hand, and all the women went out after her with timbrels and dances. Man, let me say right there, if you can stir women up, you got something going on. If you guys would just get in. <laughs> let me go on. And Miriam answered them, Sing ye unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. The horse and the rider has he thrown into the sea. Talking about Pharaoh's army. And Moses then brought Israel from the Red Sea. They went into the wilderness of Shur. Three days they traveled in the wilderness. Notice this, they found no water. When they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. That's a word that literally means poison. Therefore, the name of it was called Marah. And the people begin to do what church people do if they're not comfortable. They murmured against the leadership, against Moses, here the pastor, saying, what shall we drink? And he cried unto the Lord. Now, when I read this again this week, I shouted. He cried unto the Lord. Do you know what God showed him? He showed him a tree. I wish somebody would say a cross. When he showed him the tree, which when he had cast it into the waters, the waters that were bitter and poison were made sweet. And there he made for them a statute and an ordinance. And I want you to notice the last four or five words. It says, and there he proved them, or this means that God used this to test them, to test them. I want to just uh, talk to you a little bit today on the subject of the bitter and the sweet, the bitter and the sweet. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the awesome worship and time in the presence of God this morning. Lord, I know there's many out there that are hurting. Hopefully somebody's watching me that's, that's a drug addict, that's an alcoholic. Somebody's watching me, their marriage has fallen apart. Their children have, uh, have uh, went astray or the parents have went astray. 
Somebody's watching me who doesn't know what in the world they're going to do because life has handed them something that's so bitter they can't handle it. It's destroying them. It's poison. And God, I want you to anoint me to touch their life today. I commend them to the cross. I commend them to Jesus because he's the one that conquers fear. I'm so glad for the songs they sang this morning because they're the, they're the other uh, glove to this set of gloves with this message this morning. Let your will be done and we'll give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. There is a theological teaching that you don't hear much about. It's called palliation of sin, the palliation of sin. You're probably familiar with the term palliative care. Palliative care for those in the medical profession is where doctors and nurses will begin to use treatment for their patients to make them, you know, they're not going to get any better. It makes them comfortable in their condition. Thank God for groups like hospice and many of the others that are able to come into the home. I've watched them help people in an end-of-life situation with palliative care. But I begin to think about the church. I begin to think about the world, about sinners. And I'm afraid that we're kind of got out of our lane a little bit as, as the body of Christ as far as ministry goes because so many today are attempting to, to uh, uh, make people comfortable in their situation or to exercise palliative care for sin. Society has went so far and the church world has went so, so far as to rename sin, to make more people comfortable in the condition that they're in. I observed that people, people that God loves, people who many of them grew up in a loving, caring family who provided for them, took care of them. I, you would look at the parents and look at that home during the time of the children's upbringing and think they were perfect. You know, it's like uh, the Father Knows Best show. That, well, some of y'all don't know what that is, but let me move on. It's, it's like the perfect family situation. But then all of a sudden, something happens. I'm not going to say it's the children. Sometimes it's the parents or one of the parents. Something happens and the family begins to disintegrate and uh, they, they don't know what to do or how to handle it and they, they get into rebellion they get off into you know so much in our society today I say like we beat the same old horses all the time but there's so much problems with drugs there's so much problems with alcohol and marriage has been destroyed the, the entertainment world listen folk uh, oh gosh the entertainment world has become destructive in what it's putting out and I'll just leave that up to you. I mean, if you can watch it and get comfortable with the cussing and calling God's name in vain and the sexual innuendos and all this going on, that somebody's, you become palliative in how you deal with sin. Don't shout me down. And uh, so I, I watch people become comfortable with sin. They, they begin to uh, console themselves and it's all right. They receive palliative care, not from a physician, not from a doctor or a nurse, Hopefully not from a preacher. Nobody's told them that it's all right to sin. We, I, I want to say this, if we're not careful, preachers will become so seeker-friendly, we'll let people get snake-bit and go to hell and not do anything about it. Uh, the church has a responsibility. I want to say this. Preaching is not designed to make you comfortable. I want to say this. Music ministry is not designed to make you comfortable. 
It's, it's designed to either motivate you to worship or convict you because of sin. I've seen meetings break out, Brother Nick, while the singing was going on because the message and the song touched a heart that had become comfortable in sin. It's easy to do in this day and time. The, the term political correctness has invaded our world. It's invaded the church. You have to be careful what you say. Now, some preachers get on a hobby horse and ride it to death. But I'm not talking about, you know, listen, the things that most preachers name as sin are the result of sin. The problem itself is a heart that's not right with God. Jesus loves you. I want to preach. Let me go on. I've got some things to say here today. Uh, The problem is God does not want you to be comfortable or accepting of sin and your situation. Uh, There's no cure for sin. I want to say this. I've had family members, mothers and dads, look at me with brokenness and hopelessness and say, Brother Moody, you're going to have to bury my child because of those drugs. I mean, predicting that they're going to die. Or husbands, the same case. I, just recently this past week, I, I was conversing with somebody, a, a mother, a, a wife, whose husband died of, of an overdose up in years. I'm not talking about a young person. The, the, you, I want you to get this, not just not just not just drugs and alcohol and the things we like to preach. I'm talking about sin. We're sinners by nature. David said we were conceived in sin. The Bible teaches we're sinners by choice. I said this one night preaching, a lady got upset with me. She had a cute little baby, and I said, you don't have to teach that baby to lie. It'll do it naturally. I said, you pack it around and coddle it and carry it around. Go lay that baby down. It'll scream like the world's on fire. There ain't a thing wrong with it. It's already learned to lie. I don't don't get upset with me. That's just our, we have a fallen nature. You don't have to teach a child to steal. You have to teach them not to. You don't have to teach them to cheat. You have to teach them not to because that's our nature. And the problem is there's no cure for sin. Are you ready? The sinner has to die. It's that simple. Uh, let, me, let me go on. Ezekiel said this in Ezekiel 18 and 4. He said, God said, behold, all souls are mine. The soul of the father and the soul of the child is mine. Then he says, the soul that sins will die. John Gill in his commentary said, the soul that that sins continues to sin without repentance toward God and faith in Christ shall die, not just the natural death, but the second death shall be separated from the presence of God endure his judgment and his anger and his wrath for all eternity in that place called hell. Listen to me. God won't negotiate about the matter. You might say, now, preacher, that's not positive preaching. I'm going to get you there if you'll just stay with me for a moment. Because sin kills. The Bible said the wages of sin is death. Amen. We have to deal with sin the way God tells us to deal with it. In Isaiah chapter 1 and 18, he said, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins be like scarlet, they'll be as white as snow. They'll be red like crimson. They shall be as wool. Listen to verse 19. Verse 18 says you've got to come and deal with it. Verse 19 says if you're willing and obedient to what God says, you'll enjoy the goodness of life and the goodness of the land. But God says if you refuse If you rebel, you will be destroyed.
destroyed. Romans 6, 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Listen, I, I want to say this. It, death, is the only remedy for this dreaded malady of sin. I, you and I, could, all of us can tell the stories of the addicts, the alcoholics, the broken marriages, uh, uh, lives that have been destroyed by sin. And, and someone has convinced them that it's all right with God for them to live like that. I want to say this. It's not God's will that any should perish. God has a way of letting us know that we need to come to realization we're in dire need out here in this wilderness. Listen, they had just come out of Egypt. They'd just come through the Red Sea. That's a picture of salvation. And so God then says, I'm gonna teach them something. I'm gonna give them a test. He says, I'm gonna take them three days. Now, they've just spent 400 years in bondage. They've just spent generation after generation after generation dying as slaves with scars on their backs, never knowing freedom, never knowing liberty. I want to tell you, I was a slave. I was in bondage to sin and death. But 42 years ago, I came through the Red Sea. I walked through the blood of Jesus Christ and got saved, hallelujah. And I've had no desire to go back to that life. But I've had some tests. I've had some time in the wilderness of sure. And I'd like to tell you what sure means. I just want to say this. You can be sure you're going to have some time in the wilderness. It's never always going to, you know, people go to church and if they don't like the pews or if they don't like the music or if they don't like the preaching, if they don't like this, it's too hot, it's too cold. You know, they're looking for baby bear soup church where everything's just right. You're not going to find it. Because God is going to test you to change you because he doesn't want you to be who you think you ought to be. Woo, hallelujah. He wants you to be who he wants you to be. So all of a sudden, listen, they're out there in that wilderness and, and uh, listen, uh, God has brought them to a place where they've got no water. And listen, we could die without water in a wilderness. We could die without a move of the Spirit. And suddenly, all of a sudden, we get uncomfortable. And we think, man, this is horrible. But then all of a sudden, we see an oasis, we think. Hey, look, they found water. But when they get there, they think, this is what I want. But when they get there, they find out that it's, it's Mara. They find out the water's bitter. Doesn't just mean it smells bad. Doesn't just mean, you know, that uh, it's, it's, it's not going to suit my taste. That's what a lot of churches become today. It's maybe that's why God's, you know, he's testing us right now. How committed are you to Christ? Are you sitting home watching church over the internet and thinking, you know, this ain't half bad. I can lay back here in my living room, kick my feet up, drink my Mountain Dew or my L8 or whatever it is you want to drink or my coffee, and it doesn't require nothing to me. I can text my, my offering online, and I hope I don't upset you, but if I do, I, 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 I really don't care. I'm trying to tell you what God wants. And uh, I can just sit back here and just get all fat and sassy and comfortable and just cruise on to heaven while your neighbor's going to hell. God brings us sometimes into a place to test us. It's not just that the water's bad. Are you hearing me? This stuff is poison. It's designed to destroy you. But then all of a sudden, they realize we're going to die here. They start murmuring against leadership. And, and this is where leadership really has to step up. This is where preachers right now have to be preachers. I want to tell you, God has called us to present the cross to a dying world. 
He showed him a tree. If you cast it into the water, thank God it's going to be sweet at the cross. Amen. Listen, I said sin and sinners have to die. I want to tell you 42 years ago at the cross of Calvary, I died in the arms of Jesus who died on a cross for me, but then I was resurrected into the newness of life to live in this beautiful thing that we call relationship with God, this walk of faith where he answers prayer, where he heals the sick, where he supplies needs. Oh, glory to God. I want to tell you, church, it's time for us to rise up, amen, and look around us that at people that never think about going to church, that never think about reading the Bible, that don't even know the message of the cross, and God has trained us up. The great commission is to go to all the world and teach all nations, amen, the gospel, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, and then teach them all things, matineo in the Greek, which means disciple them to go out and do the same thing. That's what God's called us to be. That's the ministry of the church. You know, uh, why is it that the world seems so bitter right now? Why are things so hard right now? Everybody's mad at somebody. Instead of America, a Christian nation, turning to God, we've turned on each other. We, you know, we, we've got racial division. We've got, you know, the political division. We've got economic division. We're divided on every front. You know, we've got heterosexuals against homosexuals. We've got people that are clean that when they see a drug addict, all they do is stand and shake their head and say, isn't that just a shame? And, and that, look at that in there, how it's marked up and pierced up, tattooed from head to toe, and looks like it, looks like it slipped out in the woods. It probably did. But God hasn't called us to condemn. He's called us to preach a saving message of the gospel of truth. I, I wrote this down. Why the world seems so bitter right now. The church of Jesus Christ must not allow itself to be caught up in the bitterness that has engulfed the world. We have to be the church. Let me tell you what James, the half-brother of the Lord, said. He said in James 3 and 11, Doth a fountain send forth from the same place sweet water and bitter? Are you saved in church and hateful when you go home? Hello, that's, that's pretty basic preaching. But, but you're going to read the rest of that. It said, the wisdom that's of the world is sensual and devilish and, and deals with how I feel. But the wisdom that comes from God is sensible and peaceable and easily entreated. It cares. Are you hearing me? That's who God's called the church to be. Jesus said in John 10 and 10, there's a devil in the world. The thief comes not but for to steal and kill and destroy, but I'm come that you can have life and have it more abundantly. Peter said in the midst of all this, 1 Peter 5 and 8, he said, be sober, be diligent, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walking about, seeking whom he may devour and trying to destroy everybody. I saw a young lady standing in the middle of the street yesterday, and I, I mean, I'm not judging, but I'm telling you, she looked like she was on her last legs. I mean, she looked like uh, just, you know, I, I'm just going to say maybe somebody on drugs. I don't know. It might be that. It might not. But I saw this 
hopeless situation, standing right in the middle of the street. The other day I went to the courthouse. I mentioned this uh, maybe Wednesday night. I went to the courthouse to buy license tags for my vehicles, and it was raining, and I pulled over by the courthouse uh, and got out, and when I got out and shut the door, I walked around my truck, and there was a lady laying on the grass. She's falling down right on the courthouse yard. Other people had driven by. People had walked by, and I'm not trying to make you think, hey, look how holy he is, but when I stepped out of that car, it gripped me. I said, my God, has this what is this what Richmond, Kentucky, and the United States of America has become? And so we got some help and got a police officer and got an ambulance and got an umbrella and sheltered her and talked to her and witnessed her and prayed for her. And uh, I'd like to tell you, you know, she got saved. She didn't. She wasn't able to respond. But Jesus said, when you've seen these and you do it to them, that's what you've done to me. That's who he wants the church to become. Second thing I want to say is this. God has promised for the church that's involved in soul winning. He said, I will supply all of your needs, Paul did, according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And we like to claim that, but if you read that in this context, that's only for those who are involved in trying to win souls. Those who are involved in evangelism. Those who are involved in ministry, trying to help somebody. Amen. I mean, how much do we need to be comfortable? How much palliative care does the church need? I, one time years ago, I was a young preacher, Michael, and I didn't have much sense. I ain't got much more now. But I was, I was working my brains out and preaching as hard as I could and running, burning the candle at both ends, trying, trying, trying hard not to even neglect my own family. And this couple walked up to me in church one day, and we had given and ministered, and they, they just wanted more and more and more. And finally the man looked at me and said, Pastor, I need to talk to you. And I said, what do you need? Because they always needed something. He said, we're just not getting fed here anymore. I said, well, there's the problem, Bubba. When you ought to be able to eat meat, you're still wanting milk. And I said, we feed babies with bottles. They got mad at me and didn't come back, but I felt a little better after I said this. I said, we feed babies with bottles, but sir, if you have to part the whiskers to put the nipple in, you've got a problem. Amen. We, we need to be a church that understands there's a place of refreshing for those who serve the Lord. Exodus 15, 26 in our text, God goes on to say, when Moses he said, God test them, and he said, and, and, and he and said, if you will diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his sight and give ear to his commandments and keep all of his statutes. I want you to notice the third word in that sentence is if. If you do these things, I will put none of these diseases on you for which I, I brought up on the Egyptian. For he said, I am Jehovah Rapha. I am the Lord that heals. And I think the body of Christ is not going to be effective until we get back to doing what God's called us to do and <laughs> being what God's called us to be and quit trying to be somebody that just wants somebody to make us a little more comfortable. Mm, are you with me? You know what the next verse says? It's kind of odd. It said, they came to Elam, verse 27, and it said there was 12 wells of water there, one for each tribe, and 70 palm trees, one for each of the elders. Are you hearing me? You know, you know what it was saying? God was saying he brought them to a place 
amen, once they got past that test and once they listened to the man of God, he brought them to a place of oasis, a place of refreshing. Acts 3.19 said, repent and be converted, amen, when times or in order that times of refreshing can come from the presence of the Lord. My word today is simply this, the bitter is out there, but the sweet is available and it's by way of the cross, it's by way of repentance, it's by way of seeking God, it's by way of becoming concerned. Jesus said, lift up your eyes, look on the fields, they're white, ready to harvest. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10 and 1, moreover, brethren, I would not have you to be ignorant how that our fathers were under the cloud. They passed through the sea. Remember, they had a cloud by day and they had a fire by night and they, they passed through the Red Sea. They were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did eat that same spiritual meat. Listen, a generation of them had everything that God could give them and yet a generation died in the wilderness. But you know what it went on to say? And did drink from that the same spiritual drink and they drank of that spiritual rock and that rock followed them. And Paul said, and that rock was Jesus Christ. I want to tell you there's a river that flows out of the throne of God. It comes by way of the cross. Amen. Three million people. Amen. God fed them. I heard a, a man that one time had been a, a, a supply master in the army me. He, re he reached the rank of full bird colonel. He figured it out. He said every day there would have to be 25 railroad cars of food brought in. There'd have to be, he told how many hundreds of thousands of gallons of water brought in to sustain three million people in the wilderness. But all they had was a rock that went where they went, that followed where they I want to tell somebody today Jesus, Jesus they were saying it a while ago he still answers prayer. Jesus, Jesus, he's the answer. He's the one that pulls down strongholds. He's the one that's the, the solution to your drug problem, to your alcohol problem, to your marriage problem, to your money problem. I want somebody to hear me. And God said, you, you don't always have to endure the bitter. If you'll get back to me, back to prayer, back to the cross, I will open the floodgates of heaven and pour out blessings that you can't contain. Hallelujah. Tommy Bates walked into a big meeting one time. I won't call where it was at. There was 15,000 there. And Tommy Bates walked in and he was to speak that night and said one of them looked at him and said, my God, it's a preacher because of the way he looked. Is that where we've come today? I mean, now let, let me just let me look at both sides of this coin. Some of us old timers, we walk in the church and, man, I like this. Oh, look at those chandeliers. Oh, and those stained windows. And don't you love it that they have pews? And and, and then this color scheme just wonderful. And you know, the the music's a little, you know. Upbeat, and sometimes it's a little loud for my liking. Are y'all still with me? Don't turn me off. And 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 you know, we when the preacher gets up to preach, I hope he doesn't go too long. Well, just bear with me as long as you can stand it. Because if I can get you past the test. 
If I can get you, amen, where you can see your way out of the bitterness and out of the bitterness of spirit and out of the resentment and out of the, uh, the judgmental, if I can get you to the place where you can see the cross, we're about to get to the sweet, hallelujah, to the sweet. I've got a few shouters in here, praise God, a few brazers, let me, let me go on. Why? I'm usually three points and I'm done. My, my sermons are like porcupines, a point here and a point there. This is point three. Why should we be any different than those who are dying? Why should we be any different than the world? Because God didn't call me to palliative care, to be patted and, and, and nurtured and, and, and rubbed on the head and, and told how cute I am. And how well I'm doing. God called me to a place to be productive in the work of the kingdom. And uh, some people are saved for 40 years and never lead anybody to Christ. That's terrible. And sometimes it's the preacher's fault because we ain't taught them how to. Ephesians 5 said, or 4 said, God put a five-fold ministry in the church. The pastor, the apostle, the evangelist, the teacher. And he put them there for the, for the purpose of, of, of perfecting or maturing, teaching the saints for the work of the ministry. I mean, Daniel, when I get done with you, you'll be able to go out and win somebody to Jesus. You'll be able to go out and lay hands on the sick and see them recover. You'll be able to go out with words of encouragement because we have instructed you in the work of God. I mean... I used to work in a factory one time, and they hired a guy, and he was lazy. He wasn't worth five cents. And uh, the, the supervisor was patient and ended up, you know, other people was having to do his work, and he called him in the office one day and said, man, I said, do you understand you have a job? There's work for you to do. He said, oh, they didn't tell me that. He said, I thought I just had a position. Isn't that sad? That's what the church has become. It's all about me, I, you know. Let me go on. Why should we be different? Because we're not seeking the palliation of sin or of our circumstances. We're following Jesus. John five nineteen, Jesus said, Verily, very I say unto you, the Son can do nothing of himself. What I do is not mine, but whatever the Father does, that's what you see the Son do also, likewise. For the Father, verse 20, loves the Son and shows all things that he himself does. And, and will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. So we're following Jesus because Jesus followed his father. And Jesus said that I'm going to pray the father and he's going to send you another comforter. And you know what he said? He won't speak of himself. He'll speak of me. And so when I see somebody that says they're spirit-filled and all you ever hear of them is I, me, and my. That's contrary because that's just bitterness is all that is. And it's selfishness and we need to get to the place of the sweet. Why should we be bound in the bitterness of the world? Charles Spurgeon said, this salvation's like honey in your mouth. <laughs> the longer it's there, the sweeter it gets. And in John 16 and 13, Jesus said, when the spirit of truth is come, he'll guide you into all truth. He'll not speak of himself, but whatever he hears, that shall he speak. He'll show you things to come. Listen to verse 14. He will glorify me. 
and he'll receive of mine and show it to you. Verse 15, all things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said, he'll take of mine and show it to you. You know what Jesus is saying? I came to reveal the Father. I came to bring all that heaven has and make it available through the death, my death on the cross and resurrection. And then when the Holy Spirit comes, he's come to bring you into an understanding of who I am and who you're supposed to be. Amen. And uh, Colossians 1.19, Paul said, For it pleased the Father that in him should dwell all the fullness of the Godhead. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things to himself, whether they're things in the earth or even things in heaven. Through the blood of the cross, I want you to get this. I have salvation here. 42 years ago, I got saved. But do you understand that for 42 years, I have been being saved? Saved, Peter said on the day of Pentecost, from the influences of this world. Saved from falling back to who I used to be. That's why Jesus told the story of the prodigal son, saved from turning back from the plan of the Father. And then, you know, I got saved, and here I've been, I'm being saved, but then one day I'm going to die, or the trumpet's going to sound, and I'm going to be completely saved. No body that's even under the curse of the fall of Adam is going to be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye, and the same spirit that raised Jesus will quicken this body, and I'll leave here. But... Along the way, there's the bitter, and there's the sweet. And then he said, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet he is now reconciled. You know, I'll say this. We are one nation. Some don't even want you to say under God. Well, I'm going to say under God. Pledge of Allegiance. And you know why Satan's got everybody burning the flag and, and rejecting the flag? And, and I, I hope, you know, I'll, hear, me, hear me out before you turn me off. I want to say this. Because the flag, what it represented was one nation under God. Here's the word that Satan doesn't like. Indivisible. Can't be separated. With liberty and justice for all. That's who God wants America to be. But... Besides that, that's who he wants the church to be. John 1.16 says, And of his fullness have all we received. When we saw Jesus, we saw God. Come on, Brother Nick, to the music. When we saw Jesus, we saw God. And when we saw him, we saw, the Bible said that the law, in John 1.14, I believe it is, it said the law came by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. And of his fullness, of all the abundance he had. He told him, he said things that messed him up. He said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He said, before Abraham was, I am. He said, I want to tell you that the Father loves the Son. And, he, and they, got, they, they, they went crazy because he called himself the Son of God. And he said, if I just say it and don't demonstrate it, then you've got something to argue about. And... I want to say this, Brother Nick, if all we do is sing and talk and preach and say we're the church, but the world don't see Christ in us, they've got a legitimate complaint. So, if you hate somebody, you ain't going to heaven. If you hate them because they're black, or if you hate them because they're white, 
If you hate them just because you think you're supposed to hate them, you ain't saved. Are you hearing me? Because you can't have the bitter and the sweet coming out of the same fountain. But God's called the church to get above that stuff and see a brother or a sister in need, whether they're some tattooed, falling down drug addict or some wino who's been drunk for 40 years or some black person who's lived a life that I could never understand or some white person, sir, that's lived a life that you could never understand. I made a statement to some people the other day. My wife and I getting ready to celebrate 48 years of marriage if God lets us tarry until December. And his brother said, how did you make it this far? Well, I said, before you can understand who I am now, you've got to understand who I was. I said, me and her both were nobodies that came from nowhere, that had nothing. And that's all that was in front of us was a life of nothing because of our past and where we came from. But I said, one day, at some point in my life, I made a decision, I'm not going to let my past determine my future. And I set my little wife down and I said, we can live in the bitterness of the past or we can move into the sweetness of the future. And in 1978, we came to a realization one day, Brother Nick, that we couldn't do any of that without Jesus. Without Jesus. And in a little old church that you could set the whole building down in this sanctuary twice probably, at an altar one night, a broken man. I won't tell you all the mess I was in because it's none of your business. It was bad. Spirit of God come by and said, I'm calling you to something better. I was on the back row by the back door and I got up and I said, I'm getting out of here. When I stepped out the end of that pew, I was going to turn right and go out the back door and it seemed in my spirit, if you do, you'll die just like you are. I said, it's turning out the back door. I went down that aisle. And that night I got saved. I got saved. Got, a little while later, got baptized in the Holy Ghost. Got called to preach. And that may not be your lot. But God's called every one of us to step out of the bitter into the sweetness of Jesus. While you're watching me today, do you know him? Have you given him your heart? If you have church member, has church just become another palliative care place for you where somebody has to pet you and pamper you and talk good to you and sing what you want to hear sung and, and if they paint a wall a different color, you freak out. Because see, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about us reaching that world with the sweetness that is Jesus and bringing him to Christ. I want to say this, men and women of God that have fought the battle and blazed the trail and have reached their world in their day. I saw on the internet last night where Dale Yurton was in Alabama, I believe it was, and he's now the apostle, Dale Yurton. Some might have trouble with that, but let me tell you, this man is responsible for literally thousands of churches being planted around the world and hundreds of millions of people coming to Christ. So I'll leave that between him and God. But I watched Dale Yurton and I thought, what a man of God. One time he was pastoring a big church, drawing a good salary, 
in a position where he could have just been good for the rest of his life. God called him. He walked in one day and told that church, I've got to go to the mission field. And from there, he became the apostle, Dale Yurton. We just recently buried Papa Rick, Rick Lindenen, who became a protege, a disciple, a spiritual son of Dale Yurton. And he's planted hundreds of churches all over India and Asia, Central and South America. Gone to be with Jesus now. Are you hearing me? I, I could stand here and go on and on and on about men and women of God who've run their race and they didn't run it to please anybody but the one who had called them. Is that you? Let's forget the bitter. Can, can I appeal to, amen, to the white community, to the black community, to the Republicans, to the Democrats, to the undecideds? <laughs> can I appeal to you? Let's walk away from the bitter. Let's embrace the sweetness that is Jesus. Amen. I don't have to preach like Franklin Graham or Billy Graham or, 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 or Jensen Franklin or, or any of the other great preachers of our day. I just have to stand and tell you that God's called us to walk away from the bitterness and embrace the sweetness. I want to pray for you. I want to pray for you right now. Father, it's in the name of Jesus Christ that I come to you today. God, there's, there's a man, there's a woman. There's a young person. There's somebody that's so confused. All that's in the world is the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. All that's out there is bitterness and confusion. And people, Lord, like that lady laying on the courthouse yard, people are probably afraid to stop and help, afraid of what might come of it. What somebody might say or of a lawsuit. Oh, God, that's not church the church is Jesus his body, his arms, his eyes, his ears his heart and Lord we want to reach out to those who are in bitterness and pull them over to the sweetness that is Christ if that's you and you're watching me and you don't know Jesus will you pray this prayer with me right now will you say this out loud will you say Lord Jesus Christ I believe what that preacher said there's something better than what I'm experiencing and maybe you're a church member that's got caught up in this in this palliative religion that somebody always has to take care of you. Will you just lift up your eyes and say, Jesus, I want to serve you. I want to win people. You saved me, and who am I that not to, to share it? Those three lepers outside the gate of Samaria said, we're doing wrong. Why sit here? You know, why should we keep this to ourselves? Let's go back down to town and tell them what God has done. Lord, save the, the lost person that's watching that prays right now. Wake up the church member who's been patted and rocked to sleep in some comfortable church. That the world needs our message. They need our heart. They need our care. In Jesus' name. And set our hearts on you. Lord, come and We hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.rhop.life. Thanks for listening.